All right, how's everybody doing? Wonderful. Thanks for coming out in spite of the rain. Did everybody see Carrie Graham's glasses? She looked pretty creepy, didn't she? She can't wear them. She can't wear them as well as I can, right? Somebody said she looked like the Terminator when she had them. First John two. If you guys want to turn there, that's where we're going to spend our time. Um, we'll be there next week as well. Next week we're going to spend some time talking about the Antichrist. So. Uh, if you want to come and be a part of that conversation, we'd love to have you. But we'll wrap up chapter 2 uh, next week as we talk about... Oh, no. Let me rephrase that. No service next Wednesday night. So everybody say, no service. Right? Next week is is uh, spring break. And so we normally take spring break off to give parents uh, and grandparents and our staff a chance to enjoy that. We've got... Uh, two mission teams going out, as you saw this weekend, a student ministry. It's about 40 people. Uh, and so uh, we're going to give our staff and all of you a break. So no service next Wednesday, but come back on the 23rd uh, because we'll finish up chapter 2. And on that week, we'll speak of the Antichrist and uh, dabble a little bit in the, uh, in the end time. So uh, looking forward to that. But today, let's talk about love. Love, 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 right? Yeah, love. So, you know, this is, this is one of my favorite jokes of all time, right? So there was a guy who took a girl out on their first date. Date went really, really well. Young man was pretty confident in how things had gone. And so at the end of the night, they showed up on her front porch and it was time to say goodbye. And he was pretty confident. And so he thought, why not? Why not go for the goodnight kiss? So he leaned against the wall and he looked across the porch at this young lady and said, you know, man, tonight was just great. It was great. I really enjoyed your company and I would love it if I could kiss you goodnight. And she sort of was startled and embarrassed. And she said, I like you too. And I think it was a great night, but I can't kiss you goodnight. She goes, what if somebody catches us? And he's like, he's like, everybody's asleep. It'll be just fine. She's like, no, it won't be. There's a chance we'll get caught and I'll be embarrassed to death. And he's like, please. And she's like, no, no, I can't do it. I'm just scared to death that we'll get caught. And he just said, please, one more time. About that time, the porch light came on. Big blue porch light came on and the door opened and there stood her older sister in her pajamas, hair disheveled, looking incredibly grouchy. She looks at her sister and she says, listen. Dad says it's okay to kiss him, or I can kiss him, or if need be, he'll get dressed and come down and kiss him. But for God's sakes, please tell him to take his hand off the intercom button. <laughs> that's one of my, that's one of my favorite, right? Love, love, love. It's like a guy who went to work one day, came home and told his wife, honey, I invited somebody over tonight for supper from work. And she's like, What? Why would you do that? She said, the house is a mess. The dishes are dirty. There's no food in the refrigerator. She said, I'm in the middle of doing laundry. Why would you do that? He said, because this crazy fool's thinking about getting married. Sorry. All right, that wasn't as funny. All right, let's read a couple passages of scripture. Ephesians 4.32. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Everybody read those three words with me. Forgiving 
Just as Christ in God forgave you, right? How about this one in Matthew chapter 18, these verses, Peter came to Jesus and he asked this question, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me up to seven times? Three was acceptable in the Jewish religion. Seven was way over the top. Jesus answered, I tell you not seven times, but 70 times. Right? Or seven times 70, as most translators believe. Then the master called the servant in and he said to the servant, you wicked servant, I canceled all of your debt because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. Jesus said, this is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. It's pretty clear, right? From scripture that forgiveness is something we are expected to give one another when they sin against you. Yes or no? Right? Any question about that? Yes or no? No. Right? I mean, I mean, I don't know about you, but how much did God in Christ forgive you? All, right? Everybody say all. And he said, just as God in Christ forgave you, forgive others. Meaning you should forgive what? All. In the same way you forgive others, that's the way your heavenly father will forgive you. It's pretty clear. Yes or no? Right? Anybody in here struggle with that? Anybody online? Of course. Is it a command of God? Of course it is. Do you still struggle with it? All right. How about these verses? John 14, everybody read it, everybody online, everybody here, read it out loud. If you, so is forgiveness a command? Anybody struggle with it? And yet the Bible says, if you love me, you'll what? You'll do it. Pretty clear that the Bible says that your struggle with doing it means your love for him is in question, right? That's pretty scary, right? I mean, that's just a hard thing. How about this verse? Keep going in verse 21. Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he's the one who loves me. Just said another way. Verse 21 and 23 says, he who loves me will be loved by my father and I too will love him and show myself to him. Right? Jesus replied, if anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. Right? My father will love him. We'll come to him. We'll make our home with him. And he who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the father who sent me first John chapter five, verse three says this, this is, this is love for God to obey his commands and his commands are not burdensome. How about Luke six forty six? Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? It's quite a conflict, isn't it? On one hand, we have this, we have this clear command in scripture as God in Christ forgave you. So you forgive others. And in the way that you forgive, that's the way God will forgive you. And then we're told if we love God, if God's love is in us and the people who truly love God, they will keep his commands. And by our own admission, not just here, but everybody who's watching online or everybody that watches later, right? The reality is all of us at times not only struggle with the commands of God, but we fail. Yes or no? And see, here's what's happened. What happens is in those, in those conflicts, our love for God not only gets questioned by ourselves, but those around us question our love for God. 
It's wonderful coming to church, knowing that you've had a rough week, knowing that you've struggled with God's commands, knowing that you failed God's commands, and you come to church and people then judge you and question whether you love God or not. That's a wonderful time, right? It's no fun. And yet that's the church that we've developed, and that's the church that a lot of you went to. And it's the reason why lots of people in the millennial generation don't want to come to church. First John chapter 2, verses 3 through 17 completely, completely change that narrative. Now, let's be clear before I get started here. I, like all the pastors here, advocate loving God and keeping his commandments. Can everybody say amen? Amen. But if we don't interpret what God says with the knowledge of reality, you're setting yourself up for failure and those around you for the same failure. A lack of understanding of scripture is often the reason why so many of us struggle, right? Now listen, as Joe said, listen, we simply do what we're called to do. You've got to read the word. But listen, you're reading a book written in a foreign language that was simply a written language, not a spoken language, that's been interpreted by man using the English language, which at times does a poor job of translating an original language. It is really, really hard at times to find the meaning without somebody who's able to teach it. I want to do that tonight. Because what I want you to do is learn what God said last week, and that is this. It is for freedom that Christ has set you free. Somebody say amen. Right? We, we've been set free from this idea that here's the command, I fail, I'm in trouble. We've been set free from that through the blood of Jesus Christ. And yet, most Christians, most Christians do not live in that freedom because in the back of their mind, they're convinced there's still some penalty for that wrong. A consequence, a consequence is not the same as a penalty. Right? If you're dumb enough to go out tonight and drive on slick pavement 80 miles an hour and hydroplane off the road into a ditch, that's not a penalty. That's just a consequence of being stupid. Yes or no? If you eat Big Macs and fries every night before you go to bed, it's not a penalty that you're overweight. It's simply a consequence of a bad choice. You get the difference, right? A penalty is for breaking the law. We've been set free from the law of sin and death. Right? I want us to learn to live, because I'm telling you right now, if you can learn to live in that truth, you dispel the power of the enemy over you. And the more you have, the more freedom you have in Christ, and the less access Satan gets to you over false belief, the greater, the greater the work that God will do in you, and the greater the God, the work that God will do through you. Right? So let's just break this down. I'm going to read 1 John 2, 3 through um, 11. 1 John 2, 3, 11. Right, last week we learned about our, our, our advocate and we learned about our atoning sacrifice, right? That we've got a guy who stands up for us when we sin. We've got a guy who stands before God and says, I know, I know, I know, I know, but I got his back. I got her back. I'm going to defend him before the throne. I don't know if you, if you actually took advantage of that this week, but I did. Right? Isn't it great to know that in the worst moments of your spiritual existence, if you know Jesus, he's talking to God on your behalf and he's defending you. Can somebody say amen? Amen. He goes on in the conversation and says this. We know that we have come to know Jesus, gnosis, right? We've got firsthand experience of God. We've come to know him if we obey his commands. 
The man who says, I know God, right? I've got a relationship with God. I've experienced God, but doesn't do what he commands. That person is a liar. So let's just be practical, right? All of you have heard commands of God that you just haven't done. I mean, listen, I'm not a, I'm not a psychic, but I am 58. And my guess is that all of us at times, based upon the command to forgive, have struggled with that and failed at it. Liar. That's what it says, right? He says, the, the person who says, I know him. If you know Jesus tonight, you know God through a relationship with Jesus, say amen. He says, the person that says, I know him, but doesn't do what he commands is a how many times do you figure in your life as a Christian, you've been a liar? One, ten, a hundred? A lot. Right? What a terrible, what a terrible way to live in freedom, knowing that there are days, weeks, months, for some of us years, that God calls us a liar. It's a tough thing. You ever been called a liar? Just makes you want to run right to that person in a relationship with them, doesn't it? That's a wonderful feeling. Right? He says this, and the truth isn't even in you. He only said that about one other person, the devil. There's no truth in him because he's a liar and has been one from the beginning. And he just said, the person who says, I know God, but, but doesn't do what he commands is a liar. And the truth isn't even in him. He's now connected us to being on the same team as Satan. How do you feel about that? Because you and I both know that there's been commands of God that we have failed to do. Which has made us a liar and has made us people with no truth. And yet you would say, I love God. I love Jesus. But if we just read that in English, we're like, we're liars. Listen to what he says. If anyone obeys the word, his word, God's love is truly made complete in him. This is how we know we're in him, in Jesus. Whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. That's good right there. All right. Notes are on the YouVersion Bible app. There are three formulas I want to cover tonight. Here's the first one. Everybody read, everybody read this formula with me. Everybody online, everybody in here. Everybody read this formula with me. Knowing equals abiding equals obeying. Right? He says, if you say you know me, and if you say we have a relationship, then you'll do what I say. That's what he says in 1 John 2. Right? How many of you would say you know him? Say amen. How many of you would say you have a relationship with him? Say amen. And yet how many of you would say that there are days you don't obey him? Say amen. Okay. It's complicated, isn't it? So listen to this. Check this out. So the word commandment is pretty clear, right? The word commandment, right? There, there are people that will tell you, I mean, the word commandment there in the Greek can be used to, to uh, talk about the idea of instructions, right? Of teachings, Right? The, the, the root of the word simply means this. It is an authoritative injunction. Pretty clear, right? Somebody tells you something you need to do, that's a commandment. Everybody clear on that? No question about that, right? But check this out. He says, if you love me, you will obey my commandments. Right? Everybody say the word obey. In the English language, that's pretty clear, isn't it? Somebody tells you to do something. Obedience is measured by you doing it. Everybody clear on that? Here's what the Greek word is. The Greek word written by John under inspiration of the Holy Spirit is the Greek word teros. 
right? Root of the word he uses here. And the root word, teros, is a guard, a Roman guard, right? Matthew 27, 35 says this. When they had, the, when they had crucified him, right, the Romans, they divided up his clothes by casting lots. So Jesus is on the cross and the guards are there dividing up his stuff. And sitting down, they kept, everybody say that word, watch over him there. That's the Greek word for obey, teros, watch. What it means in its core is this, that you have, that you're a guard, a sentry, right? You're designed to take something important and you're designed to watch over it. It says in verse 54, right down further in the chapter, when the centurion and those with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake, there's that Greek word again. The idea is that here's what, here's what John says. If you love me, you will guard or watch over my commandments. So let me explain it this way. How many of you in this place and how many of you online are, are married or, or have a significant other in your life? Okay. And how many of you would say of that other person, I love them? Some of you, (laughs) uh, some people are sitting there together and they're, they're dating and they haven't said, I love you yet. Right. And they're looking at the other person like, did they raise their hand to that question? (laughs) Sorry. Right. But you would say you love that person. Now. If you love that person, does that mean that you never do anything wrong toward that person? Yes or no? If you love people, do you ever do anything wrong to them? Ever say anything that was wrong? Ever raise your voice? Ever curse at them? Right? Ever do anything wrong to them? Of course you have. And yet you would contend. I love that person. What do you mean? Here's what you mean. Here's what you mean. I talked to my buddy today and he said, man, I've had a really rough week in my marriage. He said, it's the kind of week where I just feel like, you know, I'm not really valued. I have one value. That's to work and bring him a paycheck. But at the end of the day, that man loves his wife, which means this. He will watch over and guard the things that are important to her. At the end of the day, that's what he's going to do. Is he going to do it perfectly? Is he going to do it perfectly? No. Does it mean he doesn't love her? No. And yet somehow we've not applied that to what John says here. Here's what John says. If you love me, you will guard and watch over the things that are important to me. My instructions, my commandments. Based upon that, how many of you love love God? Say amen. Amen. Right? And yet the reality is you don't do it perfectly perfectly. And that's okay because that doesn't mean you don't love that person. Listen, how many of you have got kids? Did your kids ever do anything that you go, right? What in the world, what in the world is wrong with this person? And yet if you ask your kids, do you love your parents? Most of them would say what? Yes, they love their parents, Right? But are there times your kids are stupid and do dumb things? Does it mean you look at them and go, I don't believe you love me? No. Because you're smart enough to know that overarching, those kids care about what's important to you. Do they do it perfectly? No. 
And that's exactly what John is saying here. Listen, I'm not making it up. Go study it for yourself. This Greek word is the Greek word teros. It means to guard. It means to watch. It means to care for. It doesn't mean that in every situation you are expected to do it right every single time or you don't love me. And yet that's exactly how we taught it in churches forever. That's exactly how we taught it. And it's not true. Listen, there's a way to love somebody and not be perfect at it. Because love is about caring for something at a higher level. Listen, why do you think the Bible is so clear on forgiveness? Because he knows we won't be what? Perfect. I've counseled people for 30 years. 30 plus years I've counseled people in relationships. And inevitably, every bad relationship boils down to this. One person says this. If this person... If this person would just shape up, if this person would just do the right thing, everything would be better. Happens in every bad counseling session, right? That eventually one person thinks that the problem in the relationship is the other person not doing what they're supposed to do. That's exactly what happens in church. Did you hear the command of God? Just as God in Christ forgave you and God forgave you in Christ completely, say amen. He says, just that way you forgive others, which means you forgive others how? Completely. And yet, how many of you sitting in this room and how many of you watching online right now have people in your life that you haven't done that to? And the way we teach obedience in church is this, then that means you don't love God. That's not true. That's not true at all. And it's not even what the Bible is teaching. The Bible says this, that knowing God, having an experience with God, and being in a relationship with God means that you care, watch, guard the things that are important to God. Does it mean you do it perfectly? No. No. Why would the Bible give such strict instructions to forgive one another? Jesus even said at one point in time, listen, if you're on your way to the altar and you're ready to make your sacrifice and there is something between you and your brother that's not been resolved, lay your gift down and go find that person and be reconciled to them. Why? Because forgiveness is a command. It's an expectation. It is an instruction of God. And yet it's something that every person struggles with. At times, not even, not even willing to give it. And we say things like this, well, forgiveness isn't reconciliation. Nobody said it was. But I guarantee you, reconciliation is a much greater opportunity when you actually forgive somebody. The reality is that there are commands of God that you have struggled with. Don't lust. Right? Don't lust. The Bible says don't commit adultery. Jesus said it this way. If you lust in your heart against somebody, you've already committed adultery. That's a mic drop moment for a preacher. Because how many people do you think sitting in this room and watching online have lusted in their heart after somebody else? Please do not raise your hand. Right? Could be really, really awkward. Right? The Bible says this, don't commit murder. Jesus said this, if you say you hate somebody, you've already committed murder. How many people sitting in this room and how many people watching online have already committed murder based on that? See, there are commands of God that we struggle mightily with, right? The Bible says that when you speak to somebody, every word you speak should build them up. How are you doing with that? How'd you do with that today? How'd you do with that yesterday? You see, the reality is that the commands of God are to be carried out. 
But what he says is, your love for me, your love for me is connected to your care for the things that matter to me. The reality is, what God ultimately wants is you to fall in love with him more. Because the more you're in love with him, the more you will care about what he wants. Instead, we try to create robots in the church. Here's a command, do it. Here's a command, do it. Here's a command, do it. And the reality is, if you don't do the command, you don't love God. And so you need to come up front and you need to get on your hands and knees and you need to confess your sins and you need to make sure that when you take communion that you're beating yourself up for every failure because that's what makes things right. <sighs> Do you have any idea how exhausting that religion is to people? And the Bible says this, it's for freedom that you've been set free. It's for freedom that you've been set free. You see, the Greek word there for keep is in the subjective tense. You don't need to know about this or even care about it, right? But in the Greek, there are moods to the verses, right? And the moods basically suggest a time frame, right? So the, the Greek word for if you love me, you will keep, right? Teros, right? Teros is the noun. It's the verb form of that word. He says, you will keep my commands. That word is in the subjunctive. And here's what it means. The subjunctive isn't concerned about the linear time frame. It's ultimately concerned about the possibility and probability of something happening, right? That's the Greek tense that he uses. In John 14, 15, he uses, he says that this, if you love me, you will obey or keep teros, the Greek verb there, my commands. <clears throat> That's in the future indicative, which means basically the same thing. I'm not concerned that you do it right in every moment. I'm concerned that you ultimately care about getting this right in the end. So how many of you care about getting it right in the end and obeying God? Come on, let me see your hands. How many of you actually care about doing it right at some point in time because you love God? Let me see it. That's what he's talking about. And how many of you in the process of getting there have not done what he's commanded? <clears throat> Does that mean you don't love God? No. Does that mean your kids don't love God? No. And you should never tell them that. You should never, ever communicate that. Listen, I've been married 32 years and I've raised five kids. And the reality is there have been things that I've said and done that, gosh, I wish I wouldn't have. But if somebody says to me, you don't love them, they'll have a fight on their hands. Because love isn't doing everything right. Not with people and not with God. Love is about learning to care about the things that matter to the other person. That's why Paul said in Philippians 2, you should concern yourself more with others than yourself. Why? Because that's what love does. Does that mean you're going to do it perfectly? No. No. Obedience isn't about doing it right every time. Stop raising your kids that way. Stop treating other people in church that way. Stop treating yourself that way. If you know God, have a relationship with him, then you know what? Care about the things that matter to him. And right here, there are things to care about. And when you don't do it right, one, know you've got an advocate. Jesus has already defended you before the Father. Right? And the other people on the other end of it, they've got a command to forgive and move on. Does that make sense to you? Yeah. Right. That doesn't, listen, that is not excusing you or me to go and do whatever we want to. That's the combatant. That's the false teaching that John is combating here. He's combating a belief that you can do whatever you want to in the flesh. As long as you pursue this spiritual knowledge, this higher level of knowledge, then it's all okay. That's not what we're talking about here. 
God expects you to grow and fall in love with him more and more every day. And if you love somebody more and more every day, you will care about the things that matter to them. Does that make sense to you? Yes or no? That's what obedience is. My guess is you probably love God more than you give yourself credit for. And my guess is the people around you probably care more about God than you give them credit for. Right? Because caring for something, watching over that, protecting that, honoring that is about love. And the more love you have, the greater effort you put into that, which means you'll do more of those things. Right? Let's move on. Second equation. Second equation. Everybody read it with me. Walking in light equals loving one another equals obey. So it gives a real practical example of how you can care about the things that matter to God. Okay, let's read some verses together. Matthew 22, 34 through 40. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, how is it that that still gets a joke? Joe, Joe told that joke this weekend. They've been telling that joke for 150 years and people still laugh, right? The Sadducees don't believe in the resurrection. That's why they're sad, you see, right? See, it's unbelievable. You can tell that joke a hundred times and everybody still laughs. It's crazy, right? It's for some reason, it's stupid, but it's funny, right? He said, hearing that Jesus has silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees now, they get together and one of them, an expert in the law, right? Tests Jesus with this question. You know this, you know this passage, which is the greatest commandment, right? Same Greek word used in first John two, which is the greatest authoritative injunction. He said this love. The Lord your God with all your heart and soul, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. He says this, this is the first and it's the greatest authoritative injunction. The second is just like it. Love your neighbor as what? Yourself. He says, he says this, all, everybody say all, all the law and all the prophets hang on these two commandments. So living in the light, living in the light and loving your brother equals Obeying the commands. So what does it mean to care and watch and protect and guard the things that matter to God? He makes it clear in 1 John chapter 2. Bring up, bring up 1 John chapter 2 there and uh, start at verse 7. If you can bring that up. Dear friends, I'm not writing you a new command, but I'm writing you an old one, which you've had since the beginning. This old command is the message you've heard. Yet I'm writing to you a new command. Its truth is seen in him, Jesus, and in you. Because the darkness is passing and the true light is already shining. Anyone who claims to be in the light. Stop. How many of you claim to be in a relationship with God through your faith in Jesus Christ? Let me hear you say amen. Amen. So this is for us. He says, if you claim that, but you hate your brother, you're still in what? darkness and whoever loves their brother lives in the light and there is nothing in you or me to make others stumble but whoever hates his brother or sister is in the darkness and walks around in the darkness he doesn't know where he or she is going because the darkness has blinded him living in the light equals loving your brother or sister equals obeying God's commands. Listen to this verse, John 13, 33 through 35. My children, I will be with you a little while longer, Jesus said. You'll look for me. And just as I told the Jews, he says, so I tell you where I'm going, you cannot come. He says a new command, 
right? A new authoritative injunction I'm going to give you, a new instruction. Everybody read it with me. Love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. Why? Because all men will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. Pretty clear, right? Listen, if you're a believer in Jesus, say amen. Disciple of Christ loves other people. How? The way Jesus loved us. And how did Jesus love you? When we get to 1 John chapter 3, it's going to tell us. Here's how we know the love of God. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. Listen, you want to know how somebody knows you love them? You lay down your life for them. You make them more important than you. Knowing what love is, is a rocket science. Rocket science belongs to the physicists and the engineers and the astronauts. Love is not rocket science. Love is really simple. If the person over here says, I love you, and they're not willing to lay down their life for you, they don't love you like they say they do. Because love ultimately is willing to make that sacrifice. Right? So he says, a new command I give you, love one another, but do it this way. Love as Christ loved you and lay or give up your life for one another. Why? So that all men will know that you're my disciples. You want to know why people don't like church? Here's another reason. They watch Christian people not lay their own life down for other people. Why would they want to come and be a part of that? I can tell you, they wouldn't. They'd rather go to the bar where they're known and loved by their friends and despised by their enemies. Because that's what you would expect in a bar. That's why they want to go to the ball games and the ball fields. And that's why they want to hang out at the golf courses. Because guess what? We don't go to the golf courses and the ball games and the bars with our enemies. We go with the people that like us. And why not be around that environment as opposed to going to a church where other people who come to church and claim to know God and claim to walk in the light hate each other. And you want to know how they know that? Because they hear the gossip. Did you see what they were wearing tonight? Did you hear what they were talking about? You see, that isn't appealing to a world that already lives that way. What's appealing to the world is that Christian people who love God and who live in light, love each other and lay down their life for them. Why? Because that is keeping guard over the things that matter to God. Listen, the greatest way that we could have an impact on Ormond Beach, Holly Hill, Daytona Beach, Palm Coast, is we learn to love each other this way. If we simply begin to practice, you're more important than me. I guarantee people would come to this church in droves. Because that's what we want them to see. We want them to meet God through our actions, our choices. And keeping guard over those things requires us to care about those things. Romans 13, 8, listen to this. Paul writes it this way. Let no debt remain outstanding between you and other people except the continuing debt to what? Love one another. Don't leave the debt out there of unresolved issues, of unforgiveness, right? What you should leave out there unresolved is my continuing debt to owe you my love. He says, for he who loves is a fellow man and has fulfilled the what? Law. They've kept the commands. The commandments don't commit adultery, don't murder, don't steal, don't covet. And whatever other commandment there may be, God's commandments are summed up in this one rule. Everybody read it. Love your neighbor as yourself. See, we're so concerned about 
Did you hear who committed adultery? Did you hear who cheated on their spouse? Or did you hear who lied? Or did you know that that person was lusting or coveting after that person? We talk about the behavior. And here's what God talks about. If you simply love me, that would be taken care of. Do you remember when, when Peter denied Jesus? Everybody remember that? How many times did he deny Jesus? Three. Three times. Ultimately ends up cussing out a little girl. And Jesus looks right at him. And the rooster crows. Fast forward the resurrection and Jesus is sitting on a beach cooking fish for breakfast. And Peter jumps out of his boat and runs to him. Do you remember the first question that Jesus asked Peter? Peter, do you love me? He didn't say, Peter, the last time I saw you, you were denying me and cussing at a little girl. Are you ready to stop that behavior? You know what he said? Do you what? Love me. Because you know what love does? Love covers a multitude of sins. You see, love's the most important thing. Because love cares about the things of God. And you know what God cares about? John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world. If we actually love God, we should care about the who? The world. People ask all the time, Why does Tomoka go all these places? Because we want to love what God loves. We want to love what God loves. We want to go to the places where the people are that God loves. Why do we want to have an Easter gala and ask you for more money to cover the expense? Because we want everybody in Ormond Beach with kids to come here and experience God's love, right? We want them to experience God's love, right? Do I need to go into that anymore? You got it. Last one. Bring that third one up real quick. Here's the third equation. Loving the world equals no love of God in them and not living in the light. First John two fifteen. Mike, bring those verses up. Don't love agape. It's the verb form of the word agape. Don't use your God gift. Because let's be honest. Let's go back real quick, right? If you're going to love people the way that God requires you to love them, you're going to need some supernatural power. Amen? It's not natural to lay down your life for your enemies. Yes? It's not natural. And yet Jesus commands us to do good to those who persecute us, to say all kinds of evil against us. That's not natural. What's natural is loving people that love you. Yes or no? So we're going to have to have some supernatural power here. And it's defined by love, right? The fruit of the spirit is love, agape. So he says this, when you get this power to perform a God-given love, don't use it to the world. Right? This word co- cosmos, right? Or cosmos is the idea of an order, right? He's talking about a system here. The world has a system. He says, don't fall in love with your God given love of the world or anything that's in the world. And he describes what the world offers. If anyone loves, again, the gape, the world, this system, right? The love of the Father isn't in him. Why? Because you can't serve two masters. You're going to love one and hate one. Serve one and despise one. If you take the love that God gives you and the power that he gives you to love other people and love him and you use that toward the world, he says the love of the Father isn't in you. Why? Because you can't have two masters. You can't love two gods. Just like you can't love two people when you're in a covenantal relationship with them. He says this, for everything in this system, and he describes it, the desire, right? The lust, the cravings of sinful man, right? And here they are. The lust of his eyes, 
right? First one was the, the, the flesh, right? There's things your flesh wants to do. There's things my flesh wants to do. He says those are things of our system of the world. The lust of the eyes, that's coveting, right? That's having a coveting of those things, the lusting of those things. The world offers plenty of that, yes or no? Right? It offers, listen, it offers plenty of opportunities for us to commit sins of the flesh, yes or no? Right? He says, and the boasting of what he has and he does. That word boasting is the Greek word. It talks about a sham. It's a guy that walks around, you know, blowing smoke about how great he is when he's just a poser. Right? He says this, that's what the world has. And all of those things come not from God, but from the world. And the world, its system and its desires are going to pass away. But the man who does the will of God will live forever. Listen. If you care about God and you love him, you'll do the things that matter to God. Yes or no? Right? Will you do it perfectly? No. And if you don't, good news. You got an advocate before God already defending you who's already covered that mistake. And you have people on this end that have been commanded to forgive you. You need to move on. And you need to, as I've said before, you need to give that away to other people. The people that you love and are married to and are raising and work with and go to church with, sometimes they're not going to do it perfectly. Forgive them and move on. Because they have the same advocate fighting for them. Do you know how many relationships, how many homes, how many marriages would be fixed if we would simply practice that? Right? But command, the commandment is to be guarded, cared for. But the only way we do more of that is we fall more in love with him. Right? And he says, here's a, here's a way to know. If you're going to say you live in the light, you're going to love one another because that really is obeying my commandments. Because everything I want you to do is summed up in two commands. Love me with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love other people the way I've loved them. Christianity is not hard. Not hard to figure out. It's really simple to figure out. It's just hard to do. And here's the struggle. We live in a system that says, man, I got everything your flesh wants and I got everything your heart, your eyes desire and I got everything that you want to brag about. And he says, if you give your love that should be directed toward God and other people to the world, that's when you're in trouble. Not when you mess up. Because listen, your natural self is going to love this world. Listen, the natural thing in you is to love this world. The supernatural love that you have through the Spirit loves God and loves the things that God cares about. Don't give that to this world because you can't serve two masters. He said you're going to love one and hate one. You're going to serve one and you're going to despise one. Let's pray. Father, thank you for, uh, thank you for John. I, I'm just grateful for the clarity in which he speaks. Lord, I, I just want to pray that that as you command those of us that teach to do that I did, I rightly divided your word of truth tonight. And I pray that as the folks who listen tonight and hear an online study of the scripture for themselves, Lord, that you would, that you would teach them and lead them to all truth. We've been loved by a God who gets our infirmities and our weaknesses. And you've asked us to learn to do one thing, to fall madly and deeply in love with you. And that love will cover a multitude of sins and it will put us in a place to care about the things that you care about. So Father, grow us in our love for one another. Help us to show that love by laying down our life for other people and help us to be aware of the world and how it wants to draw us in. 
and help us to never give that God-given love to it, but always to you. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, guys.